5280 Church Podcast, because everyone needs more hope, genuine community, and a clearer picture of God's love. Hi there, and welcome into 5280 Church Podcast. 5280 Church exists for those searching to know God. Whether you are a longtime churchgoer or spiritually frustrated and homeless, we strive to create a safe space where you can come, interact with others on the same journey, and ask the tough questions. At 5280 Church, we believe that Jesus is the ultimate personification of God, but we encourage everyone to be in their own process of seeking, finding, and knowing God. No judgment, no exceptions. You can join our community at our website, 5280church.com, or on Facebook at 5280church. Each Sunday, we broadcast a portion of our service on Facebook Live to give you a taste of what your experience will be, and so you can meet some friendly faces. Tune in and interact with our host, asking your questions and digging deep into all things spiritual. In this series, Hashtag Blessed, we are taking a close look at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5, a section commonly known as the Beatitudes. In this passage, Jesus declares a blessing over several categories of people. However, his choice of people groups is interesting. It seems he wants to write a script that flips our preconceived notions on its head. It's the poor, the weak, and the nonviolent that appear to receive Jesus' stamp of approval. What are we to make of this, and what does it actually mean to be blessed? Jump in with us as we seek to find the truth behind Jesus' famous mountaintop address. And without further ado, hashtag blessed. All right, everyone, if you have a Bible with you this morning, why don't you go ahead and find Matthew chapter 5. We're going to spend our time there today, Matthew chapter 5. And as you're finding Matthew chapter 5, I want to talk to you about our new series called Bless. We're going to look at the Beatitudes and kind of um, see what God has for us. And when we think about blessings, um, I want to hear from you this morning, maybe, what are some of your favorite blessings? Like for me, um, coffee. Coffee is a blessing for me, and it's also a blessing for you, because I'm not a very nice person when I first wake up in the morning. Um, I need something to kind of resuscitate me from the dead, and coffee does it. And so it's a blessing for me. So, you know, obviously there are simple things in life that are blessings, and then there are things that are big that are blessings as well. Let me hear some of your blessings, some of the things that help you feel blessed. Somebody better say their spouse, or there's going to be a lot of marriage counseling going on, right? Sunshine. Sunshine, yes. What else? Food, good food, yes. Music, absolutely. What else? Friendship, yep. Anyone else? Still, nobody's saying their spouse. This is bad. This is bad. I'm going to say my spouse. <laughs> but what else? So there's, there's a lot of blessings, right? You know, when we think about it, there's freedom. You know, that's a blessing. Um, we have, um, you know, most of us have a roof over our head. You know, we, we have a good sense of security in our country. We live really well compared to the rest of the world in a lot of ways. It's a blessing, and it's kind of mixed sometimes. You ever, you, you kind of feel that way? It's like sometimes you, you feel blessed by something and then you interact with somebody and they don't quite feel as 
well or as blessed as you. And it's kind of this mixed bag. You know, and, and it's really easy with our cultural understanding of blessing to read the Bible sometimes, and especially this passage today, and have some kind of a disconnect. Because for many of us, we wouldn't describe blessing the way God does in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. He says, Seeing the crowds... He went up on the mountain and he sat down and his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and he taught them saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the weak meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So for many of us, when we talk about blessings, these things would not be on our list, right? We would not want persecution. We would not want to be meek. We wouldn't want to be hungry and thirsty. We wouldn't want to go through some of these experiences where God says that even in these uncommon, difficult, undesirable experiences, we're blessed. And the question becomes, why is that? Why is that? So today we're going to talk about the first uncommon blessing here being poor in spirit and realizing that there's a blessing when we feel like we have nothing to offer. So let's dig in a little bit here and understand this first beatitude. But before we do that, let me give you a little background. When you look at these, this passage, you're going to see a pattern throughout this series, right? You're going to see the word blessed. You're going to see, uh, you know, an experience in life. And then you're going to see a promise that comes. So you're going to see that people that are blessed meet this principle that brings this promise, okay? So poor in spirit, you know, when you look at that, there's the, the principle that we meet. The promise is the kingdom of heaven. And they're conditional. So it's like blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So when those that are poor in spirit then they receive the promise. So it's a conditional connection. So it's not arbitrary. It's something that's very well connected to one another. And it's really important for us to absorb here <clears throat> to understand that these things are connected in a very deep way. It's also important for us to understand what the word blessing means. All right, so blessing means to be to be. Uh, fulfilled, to be satisfied regardless of the circumstances, right? And so it's very similar like when life is good and everything's comfortable, we say we're blessed. It's to be able to say that I'm poor in spirit and I'm interacting here and I am blessed in this condition, in this experience of life. And so to, to hold on to these truths, understanding that there is this connection that it allows us to be experience these promises that only God can give that ultimately satisfy us. And it's also written in the present continual sense. So it's something that happens now and is continual. 
It's not like a momentary blessing. It's not like, well, I'm poor in spirit, so I get this a little bit, and then it kind of runs out and it runs dry. It's this idea that this blessing comes and it lasts now and continues for all eternity without end. And so what God is offering here is he's kind of flipping the expectations of blessings upside down. He's speaking to a group of people where life doesn't always seem to go well. And I know within church circles, if we're really honest and we kind of pull the mask away a little bit, we would realize that things don't always go well. They aren't always perfect. And we need to be able to to acknowledge and be real that sometimes life is tough, but that does not limit God's work and movement in our life. Because for many of us, we operate under the assumption that when we're living well, life goes well. When things are not going well, God is displeased, angry, or disciplining us. And I would say that we have a very warped understanding of discipline if that's our view of God's blessing. So let's think about it here for a minute. We're going to be very practical with this series. We're going to look at what does it mean to be poor in spirit We're going to look at the next thing we're going to look at is what is the promise and then why is it a blessing, all right? So the first thing, to be poor in spirit. What you need to understand is when you look at this, it says poor in spirit, not a poor spirit, right? If you met some people that just kind of are down in the dumps on themselves, right? They're never good enough. They're unworthy. Nobody likes them. Everything's harsh. You know, they're, they're very critical of themselves. You know, it's like they live in a condition of constant humiliation, That is not what the Bible is advocating for. That's not even humility. What the Bible is talking about here is someone that is poor in spirit where they have an honest assessment of themselves. They're saying, what I need spiritually, I do not possess for myself. I am poor in spirit. So they're acknowledging that spiritually speaking, they need something outside of their own resources to be blessed. So that's a pretty powerful thing. And God says that when we understand that principle, that there's a promise that comes with it that fulfills us. So when we talk about being poor in spirit, it's this idea of humility versus humiliation. And humility is to live without a regard for self, right? Humility is to be able to actually, it's not just putting other people first because a lot of us can put other people first, but we do it expecting something in return. Right? We have a hard time putting our enemies first. It's a humility issue. Humility is, I'm not going to live with regard for myself. I'm going to live in a way where I'm not going to base my worth on the way people treat me. In other words, I can be happy with who I am, where I am, be, be content enough to serve other people, to love other people, to give to other people sacrificially, unconditionally, without regard for myself, because it's not about me. That's humility. It's not about me. It's not about how I feel. It's not about what I want. It's not even about what I think. To be poor in spirit is to come down and say, ultimately, Life is not about me. Spirituality is not about me. Can you imagine what that's like? Most of us have a hard time with that because the ugliest human trait 
on all the planet of all the ugly traits to lock people in a semi-trailer that has no air conditioning to traffic them across the border and have them die while they're on the back end of your rig. That's an ugly human trait. To kidnap people and traffic them in the sex industry, that's an ugly trait. To lead a country where where 30,000 of your children die every day is an ugly human trait, but it's not the ugliest human trait. Pride. Pride's the ugliest human trait. Because it prevents us from ever allowing ourselves to go deep enough. It prevents us from saying, it's not about me. And see, this breaks down when we start looking at Christianity because there's not room for pride in Christianity. See, notice what it says. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is completely opposite and corrects what Jesus turns around and the whole point of his sermon is, is for unless in verse 20... It says, I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The scribes and Pharisees nailed it religiously. They kept the rules. They called other people to keep the rules. They were outwardly, morally upright, led a system of moral uprightness, but on the inside were not righteous. And because they were not righteous, it kept them from the kingdom of heaven. Unless your righteousness exceeds externals, you will never enter the kingdom. Jesus says, if you're poor in spirit, yours is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit is to say, God, I come to you with no sense of pride. It's not about me. I don't have it in me spiritually. I'm dependent on you. See, because that's the other piece of humility. It's not just saying it's not about me. It's being willing to receive what you can't accomplish for yourself. You ever tried to bless somebody and they kind of push back on it a little bit? What is that? Self-sufficiency. A little bit of pride. Not knowing how to receive an extravagant gift. Being afraid that you might abuse that gift. It's complex. But isn't that our spiritual experience? God offers us this incredible spiritual blessing of life in him. And we have a hard time receiving it. And Jesus says, the key is to be poor in spirit. To be humble enough to say it's not about you and to be humble enough to receive it. That's poor in spirit. So what's the promise for those that experiences principle. 
the promise is the kingdom of heaven. So what's the promise? What does this look like, all right? So it's what you would think it is, heaven, right? But in our Western mind, heaven is a very weird experience for us because some of us think, you know, man, you know, am I going to be a fat little baby strumming a harp all, all eternity long? Is that what, you know, heaven's about? You know, no, that's not it at all. For others of us, you know, if we've grown up in the South, it's like every Gaither vocal band song is going through your head right now. It's like streets of gold and I'm going to have this mansion on a hill and I'm going to be this wealthy white person, you know, because everybody's going to be wearing white, you know, and you just, this is what it looks like in our heads, right? We have a hard time wrapping our heads around the kingdom of heaven because we have a hard time understanding poor in spirit. You see how it carries through? For those that realize that it's not about them, that they have to receive what God has to offer, then it becomes what is it that God is really trying to offer us that is called the kingdom of God or called the kingdom of heaven. And it's very similar as you would think of an earthly kingdom. It's living under and living in the rule and reign of God himself. It's being able to live under and live in God's leadership, God's rule in your life. He's a good king who cares for his people, who is always good and works for their good and provides for their good and cares for their good, regardless of the circumstances that are going on. It is a a picture of a ruler who is in control, who is compassionate and caring and not dictating, but loves his people. God wants to offer his rule and reign in our life. Their disconnect for us is because we overlook what the real blessing is. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. It says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. So Jesus is speaking to his disciples, saying, Listen, things are going to get tough. They're going to be difficult times. I don't want you to think that I've abandoned you. Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I'm standing in front of you. God's in front of you. You see God, you believe in God, believe in me. And he says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I, told, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Now, when we see in my father's house are many rooms, you read the King James Bible, it says, in my father's house are many mansions. That's where we get together vocal band lyrics, right? In my father's house are many rooms. If you were to really break it down literally, in my father's house are many dwelling places. That's it. That's the promise. To be in God's home, his kingdom being a home, not a kingdom where he lives exclusively in a castle and all of the peasants live in their little shacks. It's one palace with many rooms. To be able to dwell with God in equality of glory. But a glory that's not our own. To have all the wealth of the kingdom shared around the king's table. To have all of the authority and power of the king over creation shared and enjoyed by us with him. It's the dwelling place. He says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? 
And he's personally, specifically preparing a place for you. He's looking at individual people and saying, I'm doing this for you. He's doing this for you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. He is anticipating and looking forward to the day that you sit around his table in his house. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. This is the promise of the kingdom of heaven. That we get to dwell with God without any insecurity, fear, doubt, shame. Now, and for all eternity. Let that sink in a little bit. What is your experience like with Jesus right now? Can you think of a time where you were just in your opinion, nailing it spiritually and God and you were really close? Can I say that that perceived feeling of closeness is the same way spiritually that God feels about you when you're living in the depths and darkness and shadows? Do you know in God's mind as a believer in Jesus Christ because he covers you with his grace that he looks at you as an individual and sees you as Jesus is in real life. In other words, Jesus' perfect character is now your perfect character regardless of what your character is in this life. As God is well pleased with his son Jesus who perfectly followed, loved, obeyed, prayed, cared for the sick, served the lost, preached the gospel, nailed it all. The way God loves his son compassionately is the same way he loves you because you and him and Jesus are all one because of the work of the cross. For us, it's an experience of God sees us as already there, but I'm not that here, not yet there. But for God, it's you're already there. He sees you as a completed work, not a work in progress. And He's happy to dwell with you, to lead you, to help you see the promise of being able to dwell with him. This is the kingdom of heaven. So it brings us to this next logical question. Why is this a blessing? Because when you interact with people in the community and it's like, I really don't feel like I have a need for God, you know? And I got a really great life right now. You know, I got a great family, got a nice house, live in a great community. My kids are all doing well. My family's making money. We're, you know, we're doing okay. Everything's good. I hear that over and over and over again as if I will need God when all of the bottom of that falls out. Suddenly when my wife doesn't love me anymore, when I don't have a job, then maybe I might need God. But isn't that the gospel we filled the earth with? When you can't make it happen for yourself, 
and the circumstances finally overwhelm you, turn to Jesus because that's when you need to be saved. It is a half-truth and a false gospel. The full gospel and why it's a blessing is that you can be restored to a right friendship connection with God. That he can be God in the good days and God in the bad days. That he can be a present friend when you're laughing and when you're crying. That there is not a moment that you feel separated from him. There's not a moment that you feel his disdain for you. There's not a moment that you can imagine not sharing with him. Have you ever met somebody that has that kind of a relationship with God? For me, it's my father-in-law. It does not matter what in the world is going on in his life. Without fail, every morning he sits on his porch, an open Bible, reads it, sometimes things jump out at him, sometimes it's just words on a page. But every day he sits out there, he reads his Bible, and the beauty of his relationship is that he talks to Jesus. He sits out there and he talks to him about everything and anything. Jesus is a real person in his day-to-day life. And he doesn't see the successes or failures as as God's approval or disapproval of his life, he sees every experience of life as a blessing because he has Jesus. He simply can't lose. There's a calm, quiet confidence and peace in this man's life that I envy. (laughs) And I'm wired to try to earn it, to receive it. And God says, unless you're poor in spirit, you can't have it. Why is that a blessing? Can you imagine a life, to experience life, where you have nothing to earn and nothing to prove? Can you imagine a life like that? Where you have nothing to earn and nothing to prove. That is so contrary to every experience that we have in life, isn't it? You gotta go to work, you gotta earn. And if you're gonna keep earning, you gotta prove yourself. Some of our relationships. You wanna keep people happy, we gotta earn it, we gotta prove that we're worth staying with. We go into our relationship with God. I gotta earn it, I gotta prove my worth, that God loves me. Okay, well now I gotta step up, I gotta earn it. I gotta, and, and we call that sanctification. We call that pursuing Jesus. We call that spiritual life and it's really death. Can you imagine a life where you have nothing to earn and nothing to prove? You're simply Blessed. Because your heavenly father is a part of every experience of your life and you know it. 
How do you receive that? God, it's not about me. And I'm going to allow you to give it to me, even though I feel completely unworthy. See, the trouble for some of us is that we come to God with a plan to work our way out of whatever circumstances we are. It's the difference between chapter 11 bankruptcy and chapter 13 bankruptcy. When you do a little Greek word study, the word poor here means to be spiritually bankrupt. To be bankrupt spiritually. To be bankrupt in spirit. Are you bankrupt? For some of us, it's chapter 11. I'm coming in. It's like I'm in a little trouble here, God. I need you to bail me out. And I got a really good plan for getting back on my feet because after all, you help those who help themselves. Lie from the pit. It's not in the Bible. Chapter 13 is saying, God, the doors can't remain open for business. I can't keep doing it. I don't have the resources. It's all yours to do with whatever you want to do with it. And what you find there is freedom. I don't have to step up. I don't have to prove anything. I simply have to receive everything and anything that God wants to give me. I don't have to see my life as a series of spiritual successes and failures but a journey with a God who loves me and carries me and sustains me and redeems me and loves me no matter what. Freedom. Freedom. Freedom to believe that it's okay to be where you are and free to believe that God's never gonna give up on trying to draw you closer to him can you imagine a life where there's nothing to earn or prove spiritually that's the blessing of being poor in spirit 